Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Malonsall. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. With me, of course, Carl Wiggers, Avery Davidson, Kristen Oaks-White, various producers and hosts, and generally grunts. That's people, usually what that people. means. Peons. I don't know if you Warm can hear it, bodies. but it is pouring down rain here, <laughs> and we can hear it in the studio. It has just been raining the last couple of days, and I guess that can lead right into one of our stories, which is planting progress right now. That's the, tis the time in Louisiana. I understand we're about 7% planted in for corn in Louisiana, which is behind the five-year average, but Seven? Uh, 7%. Wow. You um, thought it'd be more. Yeah. I would think it would be way more. Yeah, but that's I, I'm sure by the time this podcast gets out, it'll be way, way more. But they are behind because of all the rain that we've had so far. And uh, but there's still, of course, plenty planting season left in the the season left to go. So anyway, it's just uh, of course one of the big issues right now with the, the jostling back and forth between corn and soybeans across the whole country and what is going to wind up happening overall in the final acres. USDA recently came out and said that they were uh, we're going to not plan as much as people thought by a lot so it helped the markets a lot but i think that's you know it's one of those chicken and egg things because they came out with that more people are going to plant acres so we're it's not going to be anywhere near the final number i don't think but uh carl i know you went out recently and looked at some cornfields what did you see out there i've got to go out and do the cornfield stuff because i love that area of the state mainly that's uh it was a very selfish very very selfish job i took that day whenever i went up there but uh i saw a lot of corn that's why i was so surprised whenever you said that number a lot of corn in franklin parish and concordia and some of those areas i was at in the northeast part of the state tensaw already have seed in the ground uh i know they're putting soybean land landing them are planting soybeans right now right <laughs> not well, not, right, not right, right now not today uh, <laughs> but they're they, planting soybeans yeah they started on monday the monday after easter and got two maybe three good days in and then this started yeah and so it's it, and he argues with me because he said that we he I, I swear that they had a lot planted in March by the time April rolled around last mm-hmm. year I think they just got it done their windows of time are just not big enough mm-hmm. right yeah. now for sun sunny weather and the temperatures are not as warm as they need to be I wore a jacket to work today mm-hmm. yeah and they're also I mean, they're getting like you're talking about the windows. They're getting like a, sh- a rain every couple of days, few days. And it's not maybe not a huge rain. No, no, we are. Are y'all getting huge rains? Oh, he they got four mm. inches. Good on lord. Sw- Friday night, Friday night. It. That's I mean, a big storm. Hurricane, now. hurricane came through basically. I well. mean, and the other thing, it's been like that for weeks because I know I I check in with Kristen when she drives in for the show. It's like, hey, are you going to be safe? I don't want to feel bad at you coming down to Baton Rouge for the show. It's been yeah, and <laughs> like he, every Wednesday. He's been he's been really down because they got started and now they're on a break. I said, you know, April showers mm. bring May flowers. It's not helping you feel any better, but it's just it's it's a very rainy April. Yeah, I, one of the things I saw, the the sunny day I was up there, I saw a lot of corn already up. I got video of corn, like, emerging and Oh, I'm sure it's great high. for corn. corn. Yeah, corn's got to be loving planted, it. It's already planted, yeah. Um, but there are also people that are just finally getting in the field because they finally got that window that mm-hmm. we're talking about to get corn started. So it's going to be a, it'd probably be a pretty sporadic crop as far as, like, at least in some yeah. of those spots. You know, you'll have some that are... You know, knee high, and some that are just starting to come out of the dirt. So you're not going to get one swift planting and harvest, I don't think. Yeah. At least soybean. I think elevators will probably appreciate that. Yeah. 
coming from someone that used to work in one. <laughs> Not everybody in line at once. For real. <laughs> for real. Uh, but I shot a video and just put it to some music, uh, just mainly for an excuse to go and discover, I guess, not discover, but uh, adventure around my favorite part of the, the state. So sorry to everybody else, but the Northeast is home. Hey, people enjoy those videos. I mean, every time you've thrown up a uh, planting video or a harvesting video with music and uh, the Twyla logo, it gets a lot of shares, a lot of likes. People dig that. Yeah, I, and I, I enjoy doing it. It's kind of easy. So I say easy. It's a tough job we have, you know. Uh, tough job, <laughs> tough job. Yeah. But well, it's, somebody's got to do it. I think it's good that you have uh, a lot of, um, you know, that you go to these areas and do mm-hmm. that. And I think that we have a, you know, people from all around the state because there's a lot of love to be had for Louisiana. We're looking at the corn planting now. It looks like 95 percent planted. Is that right for crop <laughs> progress report? So I was way a off. Bit off. A little bit. That off. was yeah. that was uh, you, maybe it was seven percent left. Is what it is. What I heard. So that may uh, that right. might be. That sounds about right for soybeans. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Soybean, soybeans are seven percent. That's week. what I, I. That's what I mixed them up. You, I'm. That's my bad. Never confuse your corn with your soybeans. No, <laughs> the herb. Yeah, we'll, we'll let it slide though. We'll let it slide. Well, thank you. Uh, I didn't, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Um, one thing new we do have for the show, of course, is crawfish prices. We've been continuing that under the grace of the Louisiana Crawfish Promotion and Research Board. They're doing a great job for us. And uh, we've had prices have come down a bit. We're seeing a bit more things are warming up. So as the season goes along, uh, have you guys got eaten any here lately? I've eaten some. I've probably eaten more crawfish this season than I have in probably the last two years before that. Mainly because my brother-in-law Thomas, that went and moved and lived in LA for eighteen months, went without for two years. Mm. And every time we're together as a group, as a family, he's like, "I want crawfish. Let's get craw- anybody want crawfish? Crawfish? Anyone?" <laughs> so we've been eating a lot of it. But we had some this weekend, and they were they were incredible. And I I asked Mr. Doug, my father-in-law, I said, "Did you get? Did you order selects?" And he's like, "No, nah, I just got what there was and what they were." I'm using a lot of verb tense here. <laughs> he said, "I got what was there." And what was there was a lot of huge crawfish, which was encouraging to me. It's like it must mean a lot of it's coming out of yeah. the field like that. So. Yeah. The sizes are really yeah. nice. Yeah, at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Board of Directors crawfish boil over at the Burden Center, uh, they boiled up 400 pounds of crawfish there, and they were just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the biggest, best-looking crawfish. I, I, if you want good crawfish, now's the time to get it. It mm-hmm. really is because the the crop is plentiful. Folks are bringing them in by the sack full. You know, I just hope this keeps going for our crawfish farmers because after last year, good God, do they need a good year, right? Yeah. Well, there's and there's plenty of people out there buying, and it's also a lot more people are getting vaccinated, so they're going out, they're eating. You know, we're opening up for restaurants and that sort of thing, so it's good. Uh, and I think that the this is the peak time of year for that. And we're going to have a couple more stories on crawfish here in the next week or so. Uh, one of which is a problem with uh, some snails invading crawfish ponds. So you want to preview that real quick? Just well, real, real brief. Real brief is that there's that doesn't these, sound very dangerous. Snails to crawfish. They're giant apple snails was what they're called, and they're about the size of an apple, and they've been infesting crawf bayous and waterways. Well, now they're making their way into crawfish ponds, and they're just laying eggs. They're 
out competing the crawfish that are there and mm -hmm. so it's a it's a big deal the eggs are a pain they're toxic so it's just uh they're trying to come up with the lsu ag center's trying to come up with ways to contain it so i'll be going out with mark shirley and a couple of the folks there and talk to a crawfish farmer as well about what they're dealing with and what they're seeing That's out cool. there yeah the eggs look like bubble gum they yeah. they're it looks like bright pink mm -hmm. yeah I, I was thinking candy or toys or something like like i don't i don't know it doesn't look like an invasive species mm -hmm. of some sorts that's going to cause problems to crawfish have yep. you had any Kristen? We crawfish? Did, did you answer that question? no she had apple snails yeah no, don't have apple snails don't take those i had some early the last time we were here and did a podcast i had some really good ones that weekend i got some easter weekend when we went home i won't name the place the crawfish were excellent the size of them but I've never had crawfish that were seasoned like this. I think that they used sage or thyme. Oh. In the it was very strange. They mm. were and I mean, temperature cayenne pepper hot, mm. and sage or thyme or both. Weird. Interesting. Ooh. It was fire time. It, yeah, it was. It was <laughs> interesting. Well, that's, wow. I guess everybody's trying to find their way to stand yeah, out. Yeah, I said I think maybe. that they're trying to get a little ditch in having a different taste but hey we're gourmet crawfish <laughs> I, th I think i think alan showed us that gourmet is not the way to go with crawfish mm -hmm. he, I, that was the simplest darn recipe he did with you and, and that was brilliant it's pretty typical of recipes like that you know people can they mess with the various you know levels of ingredient and heat and whatnot but that's that's just the best to when when you want them you want that taste you know yeah. that that simple taste to it every great cook or chef i've ever talked to has kept things simple mm -hmm. and has made sure the flavor of the ingredient comes through and so you just got to get out of the way if you have a good product if you have good crawfish to start with which means you have to have a louisiana crawfish then you're going to have a good product at the end as long as you don't get in the way one thing i talked to alan about and i didn't really work it in my story as much mainly because i didn't have footage of it but he said, look, any crawfish you get from this state, clean it really good. And the cleaner your crawfish is starting, the easier it is. I mean, so the cleanest crawfish, which I, and you can taste kind of that muddy flavor to mm -hmm. it sometimes if mm -hmm. they're not really clean really well. He's like, I mean, you get a clean, good crawfish, you can't really, really can't screw it up. And I guess unless you put enough thyme or rosemary <laughs> or whatever, sage, whatever or you that, want to put That could have been another, they were, they were very dark yeah so anyways that's that's the the big takeaway i took was clean your crawfish so. what I, what i like people experimenting with is other things to put in the crawfish boil garlic cloves mushrooms you know aside from the traditional corn and potatoes there's just different things that people are printing artichoke artichoke is actually really mm -hmm. good in crawfish mm -hmm. boil. That, yeah i had sweet potatoes this weekend i've mm. heard about that yeah i didn't try sweet it potatoes. Sweet i didn't in the try pot it. is what the uh the ads say yeah mm. i was like oh okay all right. Yeah, just make sure they're Louisiana sweet potatoes when you put them in. Mm -hmm. And he's right. I mean, you got to get the yams. Yeah, go to Opelousas, get, the... get the yams. Absolutely, <laughs> they'll tell you that. Um, moving on, we have a, a little bit. Let's talk briefly about the boost because we've got a Louisiana country star that's uh, uh, in Nashville that's come back. Tell me a little bit about that, um, Kristen. <laughs> well, Tammy Arinder came home from nashville to louisiana and she grabbed this story while she was home and carl knows her grew up with her i do want me to tell the story yeah okay. well i was i was gonna add 
but but you 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 could probably start it out better. How so? I mean, <laughs> you know her. I, I grew up with the girl. Her name's Lainey Wilson. She's a uh, she's from Baskin, Louisiana, which is where I went to junior high. And y'all flipped a coin to see who was going to take their skills to Nashville. Yeah, and she, lost. she 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 just <laughs> she beat me in the head with <laughs> with her her guitar. She's actually really good, and uh, she's been a performer since I knew her in junior high. I mean, she was a grade behind me. Her sister was in my class, and even like at little class get-togethers or something, Lainey would always be trying to perform or sing karaoke or whatever she could do to kind of get in front of a crowd. So it's, I mean, I've seen it from junior high on, and here she is now living in Nashville for a decade, I think, something close to, I mean, she's been in Nashville for a while, and I'm I'm excited to see what she does. Landon's obsessed with her. I mean, <laughs> obsessed, follows her on Instagram loves her music she loves came, it she came to baton rouge uh, a year and a half two years ago with uh i don't know who she was opening for but landy uh, landy andy and kayla went and uh I, I just happened to call him i was like hey what are you doing he's like oh we're headed to go see Lainey wilson i was like what he's like oh we're huge fans we love them we love her and i was, I was like oh okay so but anyways my my claim to fame is i went to school with her but I played guitar with her before I came to work for Farm Bureau when she played gigs around Louisiana. So that was the, I usually play, most of my guitar playing is in church settings. That was my only ever gig outside secular of the, one. that's my only ever secular gig I've ever played. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so we did that for a little while. And and what was the story she keep, would tell? <laughs> she would tell about when she introduced the entire band, she would, you know, introduce so-and-so and she'd introduce me last and say, I met Carl when he was dating my sister back in the good old junior high days. And, uh, he luckily got wiser. She got wiser. One of the other, something, like, <laughs> something on those lines. Both got wise. They both moved on. But, uh, that's, that's, that is how we met was junior high dating her sister. And fun fact, fun fact, 10, 11, it was 11 years ago. She was the Franklin Parish Farm Bureau Queen and competed in the state Farm championship. Yeah. Queen. State championship. Yeah. Championship. <laughs> queen championship. It was the Queen uh, Battle Royale. She was no, my pick. There can only be one. She had a red dress on. That's all I remember. I feel like I I remember that. I remember that as a just a Farm Bureau kid coming down every year for convention. I remember Laney and Jana being down mm-hmm. and being like, oh, cool. Friends are here. You know, yeah. people I was actually friends with that were down in New Orleans for that and all of mutual friends so i remember that year but i don't remember the exact year like you do it was my first year working here and i just remember i liked her because when they do the introductions she there there's only a handful from north louisiana Is she seeing hers no <laughs> but she you could tell she was from north louisiana and i went it's my girl <laughs> <laughs> well i get can we give a little quick behind the scenes like the whole time they're in queens we're like not picking like our favorites but we're yeah. like we're watching to see who like yeah, yeah uh, usually who, who who's like who do we need to kind of be ready for who who do we think where where's the final few going to be so we have the camera shots ready and Kristen's eagle eye on that right I mean, yeah she's our spotter she's the one who's like taking notes and marking down who's got good answers and everything else because she's as as a cattle queen herself yeah, she not, knows what it takes to to win a contest like that and usually it's me or Neil on the switcher, Carl's on a camera or running graphics, uh, and Craig Gotro and Randy LeBeau might be running camera now. And, and let's be honest, you can't trust any of us to pick. No. <laughs> well, we're too busy. Yeah. 
I'm trying to get the tight shot, and I, I, what's the aperture here? And color yeah, temperature, I, which color I never, temperature you get? I never know who, like, all I know is names, and I, I still, like, we can have the winner, and I still won't know where what her name is or what parish she's from, but I know she's number seven. Right. Yeah. I've been, <laughs> that's Kristen's texting, like, seven, seven, or I've seen check 10, seven, and 13. Not. 25 conventions and i couldn't pick the winner to save my life after all of it <laughs> that's why we have Kristen. and this yeah. is surprising because uh, no ally it was, was oh, ally was a farm bureau queen right mm-hmm. our intern from a few years ago and her sister right yeah she her was sister competed in competed. it oh, came, yeah, came okay. first runner-up wasn't she yes yeah okay yeah and i think she probably would have competed last year and ally's now married mm-hmm. living yes. in shreveport doing great so, so the crazy thing is she interned here, and she also interned with my wife at, at her workplace. Right. And now she's working somewhere totally different from both of them. Yeah. What's that say? Yeah. I'm yeah. just kidding. Miss Allie. A lot of, <laughs> lot of insider information here today. <laughs> Let's talk about every story. Okay. Well, who Let's would want to do that? Because well, it's, it's full of something. It's dear to us. It's, it is. Oh, well, oh, oh yeah. There. So, yeah, I went out to Two Brothers White Tails. Two Brothers Louisiana Whitetails, which is a deer farm over in LaRanger. And just for one, this place is an amazing ranch on its own because they also have cattle there. But they raise whitetail deer, elk, lots of exotics, uh, fallow deer. And they have these big, tall, 10-foot or higher fences, high fence everywhere you go. But they actually have lanes between the high fences so that they can get to the cattle, get to the deer, and work them however they need. What I was really surprised by is just how lucrative this business really is. Uh, You know, you'll sell a a calf and you'll 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 make good money they were selling at one time they were selling whitetail deer for thirty five hundred dollars each good wow and you can run 12 deer to the acre that's amazing. so yeah i mean where are they selling those who, yeah, who are well, they selling well, yeah. those to so they're selling these to folks who have their own hunting lands who may want to put populate yeah uh, have better better genetics. genetics better deer on their land they sell to other people who grow raise deer mm-hmm. um they sell the velvet to overseas uh processors hmm. they sell the sheds all the antler sheds that they find on the ground ah. at ten dollars a pound for the sheds. i wonder if they're selling those to people like are they selling those to craftsmen that are like making mm-hmm. the chandeliers that you see yeah huh i just i just made that connection that's probably where those come from um and they're they're finding more and more uses for every little thing that they raise out there. They have they have some rams, they have some goats. The the elk were just amazing, but uh, as uh, Brandon Bollinger put it, uh, they're pretty crazy. They will stomp you. Mm. Mm. Uh, and that's, they had to find new ways to to handle all of these because you can't work them the way you do cattle. You know, deer. As you know, up. Kristen, from raising a deer. I was about to say, I figured out my new business venture. <laughs> there you go. Investing me some high fence. There hey, you go. You got the land. Some. Probably not enough, but you got some to start. Need higher fences. Yeah. A little, a little bit taller yeah. fences, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Landon's going to wake up one day to big high fences <laughs> around one of his bean fields. <laughs> he put chicken on me, so. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, but to, like, to, to move them around, you have to have uh, guillotine 
doors that they can't see you and you open it up and they'll move from one spot to the other and you have to have peepholes to see the deer through there. Now, when you work in elk, you have to have panels to where only your head pokes up above because they found that the elk would not move through if they could see the whole body of a person. But if they just see the head, they don't care. They'll keep on going huh. through. And Weird. so that's what they have to have to work them. And apparently, according to Brandon Bollinger, there is an elk uh, an elk farmer's handbook a handbook mm-hmm. on how to raise elk wow wow interesting yeah but i mean christmas gift yeah <laughs> <laughs> my wheels are turning I, I tell you what though it to go to such an amazing place in louisiana it reminded me of places that we would go to carl on the cattle on the beef tours mm-hmm. uh you know go to like the the 4d ranch or you know one of these really upscale very well put together very well planned out yeah a lot of investment going into it kind of ranch Mm -hmm. yeah the bollingers really have done a lot and bray bollinger is now taking up the business from his dad uh he's 20 years old i'm kind of bummed i didn't get to go on this shoot now i just want to go and go back and visit now do they take tours I put it this way. I think uh, if I may know a person, you I may, may know, know a, a guy. I may know a guy. <laughs> I just want to come see. That sounds yeah. really cool. Now I saw the pictures. Yeah, and then uh, the elk that they started off with there after they started with the deer, those elk came from Plaquemines Parish, and they belong to a certain guy you may have heard of. Uh, he's the lieutenant governor, Billy Nungesser. Hmm. He hmm. had some elk. He had elk down there in, in Plaquemines Parish. <laughs> wow. And, it's about uh, as far away you can get from their native range. Yeah. And possible. after the storms, they, they moved them up there. And so they have the original sign. You, you saw it in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the original sign of Billy Nungesser's elk <laughs> and with the star in Plaquemines Parish. That's very cool. That's really neat. I, I really want to go and visit now just mm-hmm. for the fun of it. Maybe I can come visit your new farm. I, I wanted to ask this, though. Mm-hmm. I, I was pointing to Kristen for the, all the listeners out there. <laughs> um how many of these kind of farms exist in the state, I wonder? You know? So, yeah, he says that there are at least three or four other than his. Uh, there's one up around your neck of the woods, up around Monroe. Uh, that, About to make it five. Well, and uh, they actually are trying to get more people involved in raising deer because— Wish I would have known about him. Yeah. Sound like a good place for Barb to— <laughs> Well— Maybe, maybe not for Barb, but uh, Barb was the deer Kristen raised that got into their yard. Uh, I still, I still think I have the video saved somewhere of Barb just licking your face all up. Oh, I, yeah, I I've remember showing that saved. to Luke. I've got, a, I've got a folder that says Barb <laughs> <laughs> with all of Barb's material. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting story. My dad lives outside of Dripping Springs, and out there there's a lot of places like that and exotic game reserves and people raising things like African antelope and that sort of thing that all have those really specialized needs for, for that for raising those types of animals, and they go all over the country with them. It's a very interesting story. I look forward to, to seeing it in full. All right, well, I guess that about does it. We'll be back with some crawfish stories next week. I want to thank Kristen Oaks-White, Avery Davidson, and Carl Wiggers. I'm Neil Malasson. We'll talk to you next time. Bye! If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. 
and let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them. Let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 